Well, hey, good morning, everybody. This is Behind the Beards. And here on Behind the Beards, we pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and try to reveal the things that are going on in the hearts and minds of your ministers and ministry leaders. Mm-hmm. And if you are new to the podcast, I'm Joshua Fowler, a preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge. And my brother Aaron Partlow is a youth minister in Longview, Texas. And it's been a it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks here, man. Wrapping up things with my youngest child, you know, getting ready to graduate. Ted is the last. It is crazy. We're going through his kind of last things. He's got uh, one more exam. Doesn't have to go to school tomorrow. I think he's got one more exam on Thursday or something like that. He's almost done and getting ready for graduation. He got invited to the Denham Springs High School Athletic Association meeting last night where they honored all the high school graduates from Denham who are going to participate in collegiate athletics. Hmm. And uh, it's funny because of of all of my kids, all three of my kids, he's the last one I anticipated would be going to college for sports. For a sports scholarship. And not because he's not good at it, because everything he's done, he's been really good at, but just never has really been his desire. Right. But uh, bowling kind of captured his... Um, attention and he's he's rolled with it man man there's a lot of sports that i wish like back in high school that i would have just known about like um you know i thought like the only racket sport that my high school offered was tennis yeah and like i think i would have really enjoyed racquetball um i didn't even know we had like an actual badminton team um like we had all of these other like racketed sports and stuff like that because if you guys don't know, like, I'm an avid ping pong player. Like, I love ping pong. I love playing against really good people um, and, and stuff like that. I am I wouldn't say that I'm very good. I'd say, like, I'm decent for a youth minister. Uh, but, like, I enjoy it. And so, like, I wish, like, in high school, like, I would have known about some of these things, some of these teams that we had. Uh, and it wasn't until my senior year that I realized, like, that we had all of these teams. Um, and I wish, like, I would have gone out and done, like, an obscure sport. Um, not obscure. It's not really obscure. It's just it's out of the less known, less known of you know yeah. kind of thing. So I think that's like awesome and fantastic. I feel like we haven't done a great job of marketing the available activities to our kids. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and maybe there's a maybe there's a podcast in there somewhere. Like, do right. our kids do our it's kids not know all, all about the things that are and basketball? Yeah, yeah. There's there's other sports and other things out there to do. Yeah. So it was it was really cool. They, uh, um, I'm just glad you got that opportunity and found that all the sports. Yeah, like it's and hard to bowled, find uh, like a niche. He pulled a 254 the other day when he went out with his buddies. And, man, and so I'm like, dude, keep it up, man. I'm excited to see what coaches at OC are able to to do with him and help him grow in. So yeah, that'll be fantastic. Um, you it's been hot here. A, a bowling ball with his favorite Bible verse in it. <laughs> <laughs> or when he spins it, it like spins and it um, like shows a, the picture, face of Jesus or something. That's like right. Yeah. Put a little when you roll it. 
It could either put a little mirage in there, or we could put a projector inside the ball so that it throws something up on the walls as he spins it. Oh, that would be cool. It sounds super complicated. Um, and probably not going to happen. He's probably going to get whatever not. equipment the uh, team decides is uh, Do you not get necessary. to use your own ball at OC? Or yeah. in like college level? Or do you still bring your own? Do you still use your own personal ball? So... Sorry, this you, is the pro- this is so not podcast related. I'm just really curious. This is this is still pre-show. That's okay. Okay. Um, this is chill vibes. Chill vibes. All right. It is. You use your own equipment, um, but they have a different oil pattern that they compete on at the collegiate mm. level. So when you go to your average bowling alley, publicly, mm. it's designed you know, for scoring. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and all the oil pattern is designed to do the best possible way to keep you from going into the gutter. And to keep the ball in the middle oh. of the lane. And so when they go to the collegiate level, they play on sport patterns. Some of them are long, some are short, and they change them up so that you have to adjust your game. Do you have to figure it out, or do they tell you if it's long or short? No, they tell you what pattern is you're bowling on. And so you have a, you have equipment for each of those oil patterns. Um, and then the team just gives you the ability to, to collect. When you say equipment, you mean gear. ball or like ball, glove? Shoes? No, even? no, just just the ball, really. Just the ball, okay. Yeah, you're, you're not going to change your shoes. Yes. Um, this is my bowling monocle. It's a thing. So, yeah, man. There, I mean, there's just there's just so much that we are learning that we had, yeah, like, for sure, no clue about. And well, I always like knew, like I knew some people who like bowled really, really well, and they like always talked about like oil or how the lane was something you know and i was always like oh how the lane is moving or how the line is moving and Mm -hmm. yeah and i was always like that's not a real thing you're just so they get into like rev rate how fast your ball spins and if you're bowling against someone that has a high rev rate how it pushes the oil across the lanes and how it changes the way your ball responds i'm like pick an arrow in the middle and throw it straight that's That's right that's my goal (laughs) straight down the middle uh uh, what's his name ron swanson that's how I bowl, just right down the middle, straight. No spin, no fancy anything. Ron Swanson. That's yeah, good stuff, man. But we're, we're excited. It's just kind of a marked point of change for us here. Yeah. That's kind of a surreal. But it's getting really real, really fast. I bet it is. You're going to be empty housers. Well, we're talking about uh last couple of episodes. We've been talking about deconstruction, and we've looked at the... Mm different aspects of that healthy ways unhealthy ways of approaching re-examining our faith um today we're going to look at doubt i think doubt is one of those primary motivators that drive people into this space of um, deconstruction if you will mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes because we haven't really been allowed to explore doubts mm-hmm. um there's, there's not been a very open and accepting forum for people that are just unsure, especially about faith. And so we're going to talk about doubt for a little bit today. Any any thoughts on why that's such a kind of a taboo topic when it comes to people of faith, doubt? Well, I think like sometimes, um, I think, and I don't know if this is like a full reality. Here's Here's my mentality on some of this, some of this stuff. Um, and this is the best explanation that I could ever have. Uh, and it was when I was talking to my parents and it was college or maybe it was post-college or whatever. And I said, man, I always, I thought 
like growing up, I never played any sports. I always did cross country and track. And I always did cross country and track because my brother did cross country and track. And because my uncle did cross country and track. Because mm-hmm. my dad did cross country and track. And so I thought, I have to run. I have to do cross country and track. And my parents were like, what? No, you never had to do that. You just chose to do that. But it was my perceived notion that mm-hmm. like I had to run cross country track because that's what our family did. And so when I say this, like sometimes I don't like to speak in absolutes because it's not everyone's experience. But I think in some cases, um, like maybe the, the church or our church or our faith or our perceived notion of the church um, has not always recognized the reality of doubt. Um, and that sometimes that we're told like a good Christian never struggles or never doubts. Like those people that you know that are like pillars in their faith, faith, like they never have any doubts and they never struggled uh, and some stuff like that. Or um, And if you do struggle with doubt, then uh, you feel or maybe you even had ha- God at some point because, I mean, we're all broken and not perfect, right? But maybe somebody shamed you because you did doubt, um, which then made you doubt even more, <laughs> you know, in a sense. And so, like, I guess like sometimes when I think about doubt, that's kind of what I... I think of like, I think of, oh, I can't doubt because if I doubt, then that means that I don't have faith. Um, and yeah, it's like we've pitted doubt and faith against one another. Mm-hmm. Like doubt is the opposite of, of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're doubting, then you don't have faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the truth is, you know, doubting can come from a, not only can it come from a place of deep faith, it can also result in a, in a place of even deeper faith. When you well, come and I through think, and resolve that. So I think sometimes like we believe Hollywood too too much. And like if we talk about doubt, like we think of like back in the old old days when America was still fresh and someone is like, You're doubting, you must be a witch you know. Um and so right, like we're afraid right. to like come forward and talk about doubt because we're afraid of the response that we might get. Like, ooh, it's a disease, it's gonna be contagious. But we've uh, also when, given some very real reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. For absolutely. instance, how do you know of Thomas? Yeah, I know. What right? do we call yeah. Thomas? Doubting yeah. Thomas. Oh, doubting Thomas. There's some guys doubting. who got some really bad nicknames in the Bible. Um, I always and, think and of so, doubting Thomas, and I always think of what's the first thing you think of when I say Zacchaeus? <laughs> we little man. <laughs> that's that's a rough one. That guy. Yeah. That guy has got some shade. Um, and so we have some. I mean, some very real reasons to be unsure. Yeah about our doubt. And then when you partner that with, when I go to look for resources about resolving doubt, um, it's horrible, right? It just says change your way of thinking. So much right, of, yeah. like when I was looking, I went back to some research I did for a sermon series I, I did last year um, for some of these notes, because everything I looked at, all the articles I read about doubt was like, change your perspective, change your mindset, pray about it. Um, you know, go out and act on it, go do this. And it's like, and I feel like we're kind of just trying to sweep it under the rug and just overcome it instead of really, truly leaning in and exploring why am I having these doubts and, and how can I learn? How can I grow uh, from seeking out the answers to these questions that I have? Well, we also have to, like you brought up Downing Thomas. Okay. So this is your fault because you walked in right into my point. That's not on your nose. That's okay. Um, but we have to like, we also have to treat people, um, and treat ourselves the way that like Jesus treat, treated other people. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Does that sound pretty Christian to me? That sounds pretty like straight up Christian to me. <laughs> like treating other people how Jesus would treat them. How did how did Jesus treat Thomas? You know, uh, he in- he showed he encouraged him, right? Them. Yeah, he he encouraged them. He was compassionate with them. He was patient with them. Matter of fact, uh, he doesn't like humiliate Thomas and call him out and be like, "Oh, Thomas, you are the worst of my disciples," because you always <laughs> doubt. You know. Instead, he goes, "Hey." This is gross, but put your finger in my hole. <laughs> like, you know, like, ew, gross. Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, but he's like, you know, put your finger here. Feel. Come yeah. and come and see how real I am. Um, and so, like, God and so Jesus here is, like, gracious with people who are doubting, um, um, you know, and stuff like that. So, like, like, I always think of that moment. Like, Jesus just doesn't shame or push away, or pull anything, but instead he he is compassionate. He's graceful. He's he's merciful. He even goes a step further and he gives him a blessing. Yeah, he says, "Blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen and believed." Hmm. But an even greater blessing will be on those who haven't seen yet still believe. Right. So there's an the acknowledgement right. of the role that faith plays. But a blessing um, is still a blessing. But a blessing is still a blessing. Like and, it, it's a greater blessing, but the other one's not so bad either. So like, aren't you glad a, he asked the question? It's not a competition. <laughs> I mean, I, I am I am glad that he expressed that because it gave Jesus the opportunity to mm-hmm. say, look, I know you need to see this, and this is going to be a benefit for people to come. So, yeah, look, and then go tell people that it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, you know, other side of that is, you know, the story of John the Baptist. You look at the life that John the Baptist led, called from the beginning, preparing the way, repentance in John chapter one, you have that proclamation where he looks across the Jordan and says, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then in Matthew chapter 11, when he's imprisoned, he's about to lose his head. And he sends somebody back to ask Jesus, are you the one we've been looking for? Should we be looking for someone else? Right. And so there's, there's this doubt after all that he's done that you almost see John the Baptist going back and going, Please tell me I haven't done all this for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my life is on the line, and I'm not. I'm yeah. not really sure because this isn't playing out the way we anticipated. This is a heavy price to pay for being wrong, <laughs> right? You know, and and Jesus sends back word again and says, "Here's what you need to know: the sick are being healed, the dead are being raised, and the message of Jesus is being preached. Mm-hmm. The Messiah is here." Um, and we have to get into that place where doubt isn't pitted against faith, mm-hmm. but instead we see those moments of doubt and say, okay, here we are. Here's the questions that we have. Now, what can we learn about who God is and how can we grow as we explore the answers um, to these questions? Um, and I don't, I think it's just a culture that we have to um, create that we have to change, mm-hmm. um, that that isn't afraid to ask questions. I've said this several times, almost, right? I would almost argue that this culture is changing. I agree. I, I, agree. I, would, I would almost argue that the culture is changing, but we don't know how to handle the change. And so we have got to educate and train ourselves how to walk through this change. Because I would almost say, like, when people sometimes are going through, like, um, like almost deconstruction is almost like a rite of passage. 
uh, I feel like people are treating it that. And I think it's like, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, having doubt is like a virtue that we have to pursue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I think, I think doubt's part can be part of your faith walk um, and having that and being curious. But um, you can still be like, a Christian if you haven't gone through it. I think so too. Like I, I think so too, and I don't think it's something that like we have to like push and go through. It's almost like it reminds me of like you go to a youth rally, you go to church camp, and people have these cry nights, and I hate those, and I think they're they're not good. And we can go into that to another podcast later. But um, you know, people get up there and they say they're like, oh, I, and they list off all the bad things that they've ever done, and they're like, but now I'm going to be different. I'm going to be changed. And then you have some kids who are sitting there who are like. I mean, I once, like, stole a piece of toast that my sister made for her. Like, that's the worst thing I've ever done, you know? Uh, and they're like, mm-hmm. I've never done anything bad like that. Does that mean, like, Jesus loves me just as much as they love somebody who's given up more than me? Like, I've been in church my entire life, you know? Um, kind of a concept or kind of an idea. Um, so, you know, I you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a curious thing there. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to get to... Is that um, like there's some points of deconstruction that I think is really good. Like I think mm-hmm. the idea of of looking at doctrine um, and some things that we teach and realizing that some of them are really really important, like who Jesus is um, and you know baptism. Uh, you know I think is pretty important since Jesus did it himself. Um, <laughs> and some of these things, but maybe some of the other ones are more personal preferences. Um, and so I think that part of, of doubting some things and moving through those um, is a healthy process or a healthy way to kind of look through and move through some stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Did yeah. I just open up a can of worms? We're all growing a beard. That makes sense. That was, and that was the episode. I don't Thank know. for being it. here today. I we I appreciate it. accidentally hit the space bar there or something. That's weird. That's um, Caught I, me off guard. <laughs> I think you, yeah, I just couldn't get you to stop. I couldn't find an interjection point. So let me just throw a music in there. Just kidding. Um, but I think, um, I think what you say is, I don't know if it's coming or if it's here. Mm. I mean, this next generation is going to go through this. Um, our generation has kind of been going through it, but feeling a little bit guilty about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the next generation is going to go through it. That, that part of their culture is here. They're going to question everything. Right. Um, and if we haven't given them a platform to do that in a safe and constructive way with people that they know and they love and respect, they're just going to go online. They're going to find somebody that's going to tell them what they want to hear. You find that echo chamber. Um, and so we have to we have to have these two cultures that have grown up in very different areas of or in very different cultures of the church. One that says, "Look, just believe it because you trust the source." Just have faith. Faith will get you through it all. We don't really need it. If, if we if we needed that answer, God would have given it to us. Um, and there's a generation that's okay with that. And that's been their source of strength. And they don't understand why other people are really having the questions. And so we have to get to this place where where we can come together and go and explore those questions and open that Let's up. Let's come so, together. Um, I think one of the things we have to do as we're going through, because there's going to be times in your life where you're, you're just going to have these questions. Something's going to come up. It's not going to jive with 
what you've had in your mind, and you're going to go, man, um, how do I deal with this? Because no, none of this is really making me comfortable or sitting well with me. And so mm -hmm. I kind of have to identify where that doubt is coming from. I found mm -hmm. this uh, article, like I said, when I was doing this research for a sermon series last, last year, and it had these three areas of doubt that I thought were pretty good <clears throat> to determine where is this coming from, intellectual, emotional, or moral. And, and intellectual doubt is when our minds are generally unsure whether the teachings of Christ are true. Like they just, they just don't make sense. Right. Jesus says, love your enemies. And intellectually, I'm going, I hear what you're saying, but um, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and when the teachings are, are, are just the intellectual mind. And you've heard it, I've heard it said a lot of times for, for a long time, the church has been afraid of education. Mm. because education has put people in a place where Christian teachings don't really make a lot of sense and academia and the Christian faith in their mind couldn't walk together. And, you know, that's not true. It just asks questions that are a little harder to answer. <laughs> it gets us to a place where we really have to wrestle with some things. Yeah. And, it means uh, we have to do some, do some more work to really think about and go through kind of like what we talk about. Um, yeah, I think the I think the intellectual doubt. I think man, for me sometimes like these can get mixed together though. Um like I agree like they're 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 separate, but I also think like especially today, I think like the biggest one that some of our uh teens or some of our our young people or some of our people in the church are most struggling with are the ones that like conflict extremely against what the world is preaching and saying, you know, right now. Um and I think we all kind of feel that. Um in some sort of a sense, like, you know, are all the teachings of Christ correct? Yeah, I believe that they are, um, but the world has not always believed that. And I think we're getting to a place in America where it's 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 pretty prevalent that if you, you know, believe a certain way, you know, and I'm talking about if you believe a certain way in the L LGBTQ plus, you know, kind of um, environment and you go, sorry, this is what Jesus says. Jesus, Jesus says this in his teachings. Um like that's the one that kind of rubs us uh, the wrong way. And it's, I think it, it becomes difficult because we start to confuse or we start to try to bend other things that Jesus has taught to encompass things that'll help us make us feel better. You know, Jesus says to love everybody. And then all of a sudden we turn love into acceptance. Uh, well, Jesus accepts everybody. Well, Jesus accepts everybody and calls us all to change. Mm-hmm. To be more like him. Matter of fact, I you know I just we just preached about this on Sunday. Somebody uh, or Jody did. Uh, we talked about like if you're not changing to be like Christ, and I'm talking about every single person sitting in this pew, we're doing it wrong. You know, um, and yeah. I think that's really important. And so I think that's where like some doubt can start to sink in because it starts to put us in an awkward place with the culture and the people around us. But and I, I think, think that comes to that kind of intellectual thinking that just says this can't be true. Mm -hmm. You know, dead people aren't raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. Lepers aren't healed by a touch. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these kind of things just can't happen. Can the sun really stand still for a day while Joshua is battling, you know, some mm -hmm. city out there? But when you go through and you see how much of scripture can be verified by historical records 
Oh, I love the whole... My dad loves to tell the story about, like, the Hittites, right? Mm-hmm. How, like, for a long time, a long time historians were like, well, the Bible can't be true because they always talk about the Hittites, but the Hittites never existed. We have no archaeological, 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 whatever word. Archaeological, yes. That's right. Uh, uh, reference or idea of even who the Hittites were. They couldn't have been anything. And then all of a sudden, um, like, two months later, they find, like, this huge Hittite city you know, mm-hmm. in archaeology and that like other, you know, we, as we've known in the past, like civilizations will build on top of other civilizations. Right. And all of a sudden they start finding like these tablets and other things that are talking about the Hittites. And they're like, crap. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. No way. Oh wait, these were people and they were lived here and there were a lot of them, uh, you know, kind of a thing. Well, and Sennacherib's, <laughs> Sennacherib's prison, which yeah. uh, talks about his siege of Jerusalem. Yeah. And how he had Hezekiah hold up like a bird in a cage in the city of Jerusalem and they had him fortified. And now, I mean, the great defeat with the um, angelic army that destroyed his, it's not, it's not recorded there, but, right. you know, we didn't record our failures. He records the, the success of the siege and everything else is laid out just like it is in the book of Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you see how much is verifiable, um, even the Babylonian astrology comes and, you know, it can almost, you know, to a, to the most minute detail, mm-hmm. um, wrap up the visions of revelation mm-hmm. um, and the birth of Jesus and all these things take place. And so intellectually you can go through and you can see how much is concretely true right, in those things. And it gives us the confidence to to maybe believe there's something else supernatural going on in this man of Jesus. Um, and it can help us give us that confidence. That emotional doubt, that's the one that's most difficult for me because it comes from yeah. I've been hurt. Right. Or um, I've suffered some kind of trauma. That's the one that makes me the most sad and frustrated at the people who have caused that. Yeah. Um, because what, what has a tendency to happen is, all right, well, I've been hurt by someone that claims this name. Right. And so I'm writing off everyone that claims that name. Or I, this, I, I cringe to say this and I, you can probably hit the, the, you were all grown a beard thing as soon as I uh, start talking here. But <laughs> like, uh, like I hate this one. Like, you, oh, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I just don't believe Christians. You know, I was, I would grow up going to church and. The preacher had an affair and walked away from his faith. So, and I learned everything about Jesus from him. So, you know, I'm not going to believe in God because that guy was just a, a snake oil seller, you know, kind of a thing. Um, you know, that's emotional trauma that mm-hmm. kind of happened. Like the guy or the person or or the woman who or whatever that you learned all about Christ about Jesus, you know, turns away and walks away from their faith. Well, that. That adds a lot of of doubt, a lot of pain, a lot of uh, emotional trauma that kind of happens there. Um, and that'll happen like as you know, that'll happen. It doesn't have to be the preacher or whatever. It could just be somebody that you really look forward to. And all of a sudden, it could be family. They're encompassed in sin. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you see, you know, I've, I've talked to people who have grown up in, you know, strictly Christian families who have oh, been yeah. living a life of abuse at home by a man. Yeah. Or a woman who claimed, you know, that that Christ was their whole identity, mm-hmm. but yet behind closed doors they're living this completely different life when it comes to the way they've they've treated their kids or their 
or their spouses or other people. Um, well, I hate dressing up for church. <laughs> we take so much time to put on this outer appearance that we're living Christian lives and that we're all good. Take really, me as I am. Yeah, that's right. Like, but really, there's people who are just rotten to the core and are just there to save face. You know that. Oh, you know, and, and so in that in that moment, I think what we have to do is we have to you know, find the people who are going to show us that yeah, that's that's terrible, mm -hmm. and. And there's some professional ways in which we can deal with that kind of pain and that kind of trauma. And that's not something right. that you can just overcome on your own. No, that's not something that you can just pray away. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound unchristian here, but there are some things you can't just lay hands on it and pray it away. You right? know, I'll be honest. Like there's some things that like I can't handle on my own as a youth minister. Um, there are some things like, um, you know, I've given the opportunity and I, I plan to, I keep saying, I keep planning to go. So maybe if I say it on the podcast, like I'll really do it. But <laughs> You know, there's some things that have happened to me in ministry that, like, I need to go see a therapist about and go talk to somebody about. And luckily, you know, I mm -hmm. uh, elders, if you're listening, like, I feel like this is an amazing opportunity. Our shepherds gave us the opportunity and said, if you need to go see somebody uh, to to work through some of this, uh, and they offered it to our entire ministry staff, um, go see somebody, have the bill sent to me. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it for you because we, we want you to be healthy mentally and physically, uh, for your position. And we understand that like you need to sometimes go to a therapist, uh, therapist. I was going to say therapy and then I changed the therapist. Uh, but I think, uh, so I, I, that's my plug for even me as a youth minister. Like, I feel like I need that sometimes. Like I, I pray about it and I take quiet time about it. And do all that, but I also feel like, man, I also feel like I need to go and see like some professional help. Um, yeah. And there's no, there's no shame in that. And I think that's one of my biggest things that I want to get through in this podcast is that there's no shame in having doubt, but it's not something that you want to sit in. Like you want to move right. through it. That's what I've always mm -hmm. been taught, and I don't know if it's a good teaching or not. I haven't deconstructed that, but like doubt is is okay to have, but it's not something that you want to sit in. You yeah. know. Um. And that's the same. Uh, so that's why I want people to know. It's like there's no shame in therapy and there's no shame in seeking outside help. Um, I think that's part of the process. Well, and I think when process. it comes to, like, we've seen this in dating too, um, you know, a lot of times where what happened in people dating say, uh, people will say, you know, I've just had so many bad boyfriends. I'm just writing off men. I'm just going to be single the rest of my life or, right. um, you know, Dustin joked around after, you know, high school, he's like, I'm a, I'm going to be a single Pringle. That's what he always called himself. Uh, and How's he, he doing now? Um, yeah, not <laughs> married single. with a child, <laughs> married with a child. Yeah. Um, but so the, the temptation is just to kind of write off all the things mm -hmm. of, of the one thing that's kind of hurt us. We haven't had good experience with. Right. But if we really go back and look, what we find is that there is so much more good than the bad that has affected us. And right. even when the, the bad things that have affected us are profound, they are deep, mm -hmm. they are evil, there is still so much good being done. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, finding an environment that's going to help us focus on what's good. We give that blessing at the end of each episode, right? Do something good in the name of Jesus. Right. Why do we need to do something good in the name of Jesus? Because people that are doing bad things in the name of Jesus are getting too much press. Yeah. Like they're we need louder. to proclaim to the world that 
that we are doing something good and we're not just doing something good because we're doing something good. We're doing something good in the name of Jesus. Um, and it's, it's hard, it's tough, it's difficult, um, but it's worth doing and, and promote that man. When you see someone doing something that's good, tell that as loudly as you would tell the, the, the bad things that occurred, give the good re review as quickly as you would give the bad review. Um, maybe even more quickly. Um, but let's be better at promoting the good things that are going on so that when we have those places, we can say, yeah, you know what? People are awful. They're mm -hmm. evil. They're sinful. They're fallen. Even Christians are that way. But there's a whole lot of people that even in their fallenness are trying to do the right thing for the right way for the right reason. Right. And so finding those those pockets where that occurs, I think, is one of the ways that helps us really deal with that kind well, of pain and trauma. And, if I'm completely honest... Like, if you're not getting involved in your current church, if you are a consumer, you go to church and you expect to be served and you expect the church to do this for you or to provide this for you, I feel like you're going to fall into these traps more often. But if you are a part of that church family and you're volunteering and you're serving and you're part of that group, I feel like you're going to find those people, find those groups a lot better. You're going to have a more enriched uh, experience because mm -hmm. it's not about just consuming. It's an, it's about being a part of that church family and buying in and all that kind of stuff like that pours into um, like really feeling a part, uh, a part of it. Um, you know, do you have suggestions about people walking through doubt? Um, that's, that's kind of a weird question. I feel like we've been kind of, maybe I haven't done a good job of. No, I, but, uh, I was thinking um, like a behind the beards moment. Sorry, but maybe we're not close there. Um, we, we can be there. <laughs> I was going to ask you about this last one. I think. Okay. Ask me about it. Let's, let's move into that. Um, just because this is where, I mean, we've kind of talked about this some, mm -hmm. but there's this temptation when we have this moral doubt where we look at some of those teachings and we go, you know what? I don't want that to be true. Oh, yeah. And so I'm going to go somewhere else. It's kind of what I was touching on. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just wanted to expand on that, and then we can yeah. get to. No, no, no. That's that's good. Because I think that's what's driving so much of the movement today is. I think so. Um, I want to live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to live by the grace of God, but I want to have my parties. I want to live by the grace of God, but I want to choose my own identity. I want to mm -hmm. live by the grace of God, but I want to be a little selfish, be a little proud, be a little arrogant. Um, I want the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And what's made it so easy to go through that in this stage is because of the global platform that technology has given. I can find people who are teaching the gospel in that kind of a twisted way. Teaching their gospel. They're teaching a part of the gospel. They're just not teaching the whole gospel. Hmm. Um, you know, they like we said before, they get to the love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, acceptance part. We're going to take that, mm -hmm. but we're going to leave transformation at the door. Mm -hmm. We're going to leave sacrifice at the door. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to leave, leave a call to change. Yeah, I'm going to I'm leaving love my enemies at the door because, you know, I want to go nuke all of our enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to turn I want to turn the Middle East into a sea of glass. You know, we heard That's that going right. around in Christian circles after 9-11. It's, um, it's the, you know, hey, <clears throat> I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. But it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the idea of, 
yeah, man, uh, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't kill babies. I'm super against abortion, but we should nuke the Middle East. Yeah. Because those unborn baby lives matter, but yeah, the lives do. of the civilians or, or even the, our enemies, they don't matter. And I think what we fail to realize is when Jesus says to the Jewish people, you have to love your enemies, he's talking about the Romans. Right. I mean, those were those were people who were oppressing them. Right. They had them basically enslaved. Captors. They were captors. We always forget. Um, I think like we really forget like what it would be like to live like being captured. Um, oh, what was the show called on Amazon Prime? Um and it was all about like if the Nazis won World War II um, instead of us. And I can't remember what the man, uh, man in the High Tower. If you've ever seen that show, um, it, it, it's an interesting concept because it shows America like being captured or under capture. And so now you're in America, but you're living under captivity of like Nazi Germany is in control. <clears throat> and for me, like when I watched that, I went. Man, that would be kind of what it was like when Jesus was preaching to like the Jewish people, to the Jews, and like the Romans were there. Like we always have like this glorified image of the Romans, but like that's what it would have been like. Would have been like these are people who are hunting uh, you down, and are, they're hunting mm -hmm. Christians, you know, and you're yeah. under captive, and yet your Messiah is saying, "Love them, carry their armor an extra mile, armor. feed them." That's right. Invite them into your homes. Take care <laughs> of them. Which is the last place that you would want them is in your home. And so it's wild. You know, we can get to this place where, you know, we read the teachings and we just don't want to do it. Yeah. And so I'm going to go looking for some other way that I can still feel good about where I am, but also do what I want to do. Absolutely. That's exactly. Um, I want everyone to like me. Josh, I just want everyone to like me. And if it's going to cause somebody to not like me, I don't know if I want to do it. And so you asked the question, how do you, how do you walk through this? Um, number one, I think you walk through it. Mm -hmm. um, don't be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said earlier is right. Um, it's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. Mm -hmm. You know, don't linger in that. Explore it. Ask the questions. Um, and... So I, th I think there's a difference in like uh, there's a behind the beards moment here as well. And that is as ministers, we experience doubt as well. Oh, yeah. Like there, there are these moments where I, totally. where, I, where I stand up and go, the heck am I doing here? Like, I am not the guy for this. Um, I am not equipped for this. And sometimes even sometimes it keeps me awake at night. I wonder if, you know, am I doing the right thing? And, and I really have these very real doubts. Um, but I have to have a place. I need to find someone that I trust that I can express these things with. Um, and I need to know that it, it's not a weakness. It's just, it's, it's an opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. And so ask the questions, lean into them, but then find somebody that you love and respect and trust who can help you explore those answers together. Um, be careful of what you find online because I can go, I can go online and I can find somebody preaching and teaching and proclaiming anything I want them to. Right. And a lot of times they're using the Bible as a, as a basis, but just because someone's using scripture doesn't mean that they value 
um, yourself. And so find someone who has an investment in your own life and in your own growth and in your own development that's going to help you become a better person, a better Christian, a better father, a better mother, a better spouse, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for that older generation, God's word can stand up to examination. The gospel of Jesus will, will hold up under any scrutiny that we as humans can give it. All right, so let's not be afraid to question the word of God, to question the validity of the gospel. Um, God can hold his own, and he can definitely stand up to the questions that I have to throw at it. Um, and so I think, I think that, you know, for me, is just where it lies, is it's, don't be afraid. Ask the hard I, um... questions, but be prepared for some hard answers. And let's not just toss out the answers we get because they're not the answers that we want. I often think of like um, like scary movie logic, right? Like what are you always <laughs> saying when the person is like in a scary movie and they are leaving uh, or they are, you know, what are they doing? Like they leave where everybody is and they go and they walk through this scary, really bad part by themselves with only their flashlight searching for something well what, what normally happens well they usually get got right and so instead of leaving people and walking through doubt by yourself where it is scary and where satan might be prowling walk through it with other people walk through community it so in important. the light be yeah. a part of a community um and, and that's what i was really trying to get apart like when we like don't just go to church to consume but we go to church to be a part of it. When you go and you like really buy in and you're really a part of it and you make this community an actual community, um, then when you are walking through doubt, you have a community to go and walk through it together, to have questions, to study together, that you're not trying to find an echo chamber, but you're trying to find um, you know, a community uh, to kind of be able to walk through this together and things like that and i think yeah. ministers that's that's what we are that's my like one of my major goals for my youth ministry is to build that kind of community where my teens that's why when i used to be really big on um randomized small groups when we break up into small groups um but i stopped doing that like i really have stopped doing that mm -hmm. uh and i when we play games or we do fun stuff yeah, like I, I put them in random groups because I want them to get to know everybody in our youth group. But if this break up and do discussion questions, I say, hey, here's a bunch. I need you guys to break up into groups and I let them break up into groups. And I know I right. have certain leaders in my youth group who specifically know to look around. And if there's somebody who doesn't have a group to be like, hey, come join us. But, um, you know, I want my teens to be able to have that community. I want my teens to be able to have that close set of, of good friends that they feel comfortable really talking about. Because I don't ask easy questions in our discussion groups. They have to right, talk about right. some pretty serious and some pretty, um, you know, open, honest stuff about themselves. Um, but having that group to be able to walk through some of these things together, I think, is is really important. This is not being a Christian in no way where we're supposed to ever do it alone. That's right. It wasn't designed to be done solo. It's not a single-player game. And you can't expect to get any return where you haven't invested. Mm. Um, you know, mm. if I am not, if I'm not That's buying it. stock on the stock market, That's right. I'm not getting, 
I'm not getting any return on an investment that's not been made. As my mom and, would say, you'll never win the lottery if you don't play. She said, <laughs> and that's why I'll never win the lottery. And that's um, You know, when you talk about scary movie logic, right? Have you seen that commercial where all the kids are stuck in that barn? And they say, or they say, let's go in this barn. And the girl says, why don't we get into the running car? And the guy says, no, I think we should hide behind these chainsaws. And the right, girl yeah. says, and the girl says, yeah, good idea. Right? Like, how easy are we swayed to bad ideas when, like, my idea at first was good. Um, but because we're in this moment and someone says, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws. A good idea. It's like, no, it's not. And you knew it wasn't a good idea. Right. So, so trust yourself, trust your instinct, and trust the community that you're in. Because when you invested in that community, it comes back and it has your good at heart. That's and, right. and be that community for uh, for your ministers, your ministry leaders. Right. Um, you know, give them that space too to ask questions, um, and go from there. So it's good That's stuff. Right. It's been good. It's been good. Uh, it's a longer episode than I thought it was going to be. Uh, we uh, pretty wordy on this one. It's a good topic. It's a hard topic to kind of walk through. It is. But we want to thank y'all for being here today. We really appreciate it. Uh, and you're our community uh, for us. And so we love that. Um, we also want to remind you of Galatians 6 9, like we talked about earlier in the episode. Don't grow weary in doing good. This world is messy and life is messy. So allow Christ to do something uh, different with you, something good in his name. I'm Aaron, and this is Josh, and we will see you next week. For behind the beard. Behind the beard. Till we're all growing a beard. A man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard.